This show is supported by State Farm. You have insurance for your home, your health, and your car. Why don't you have insurance for your small business? So many small business owners think they don't need or don't even know about small business insurance. Protecting a source of revenue is one thing, but so is protecting all of your hard work and your team members. State Farm agents are all small business owners too, so they know how to help small business owners choose personalized policies that fit their budgets. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Welcome to 51 First Dates. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And we are doing an experiment. And talking about dating. And love. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Cheers. Cheers. Hi, everybody. I'm Liza. And I'm Kimmy. And welcome to 51 First Dates. We are a podcast about dating, as you may have guessed from the title. Thank you for being here and listening to us. We're thrilled you're here, we're thrilled you're inside, and we're thrilled it's a Tuesday. It's not. It's Monday for us, but it's going to be Tuesday when you're listening to this. Yes. We're thrilled you are continuing to destroy white supremacy, and we're thrilled that you all donated to different causes. It's been incredibly impressive. We matched your donations, so in total we've donated um, $3,000 across all of these amazing organizations. So thank you all for your generosity. Again, we know that's just one step in kind of unlearning these things, especially as white women. But we're so glad we were able to contribute to some organizations that are doing really amazing things. Completely. You guys showed up in such a big way. Um, it was so impressive. It was so heartwarming. And yeah, we're obviously, like Kimmy said, it's a first step. We're going to keep um, – learning educating ourselves um and taking action uh as much as we possibly can Mm -hmm. um and some of that we'll talk about here a lot of it we won't but if you ever want to ask us about ways that we're taking action or if you're looking for um confirmation that we're (laughs) we're still in it please email us yes. at 51firststatespod at gmail.com or you can DM us on Instagram or any of the ways you normally get in touch with us. Yes, keep calling us out when we say ignorant little white lady things. And yeah, look forward, we, we look forward to a much more inclusive set of guests and daters, hopefully. So if you Fingers- want to go on a date and talk about it, please let us know. <laughs> Please let us know. Obviously, it's not (laughs) – it's a tough time, although some places are open and um, things are getting a little bit more normal. Um, However, just a slight pivot, we need – I need to tell everyone the biggest news of the week, which is that Kimberly Foskett is officially an MBA. Oh, thank you. Thank you. (laughs) If I sound tired, it's because I am (laughs) at our virtual graduation. Graduated. Finished. Crushed it. Destroyed it. Appreciate so proud it. of you. I, I hope everybody it. joins in and being proud of you. Well, I think looking back, I am truly, you know, it you can do anything you want to. This one, like that's that's and I know, you know, again, acknowledging all the privilege that got me there, but it was also hard work and the support of friends and people like Liza, business partners like Liza and family. And I'm just so grateful. It like People talk about grad school, especially business school, changing your life and it's just two years and you're in this community and I don't know, it really did and it's because of the people and 
just the amazing experiences and like learning I don't know, not learning finance better, but learning how other people think, learning how to kind of be a better leader. I don't know. I it is capitalism school on one hand, but in the other on the other hand it's it was just an, an incredible two years and I'm so grateful and I'm feeling like emotionally drained and physically drained, just tired <laughs> even though it was virtual. Um there was some celebration and it's just so emotional. Um and I I guess I didn't this wasn't always my dream, so I didn't know I'd seen some people want to get their MBAs their whole life. So I, I guess I, I just didn't know it would have this impact on my life. And I am very, very grateful for it. So thank you for that. Well, it's very badass. You, you know, took a non-traditional career and completely like, you know, ran with it and did something that is very cool. And I hope everyone DMs Kimmy. (laughs) If I post a graduation photo, which it's like it all feels weird right now to be posting and congratulating oneself. Um, But if I do, you can just like it. I'll I'll take the likes. No, I still haven't gotten over needing likes on Instagram. (laughs) Working on it. You know what? None of us have. But also I think that you've whatever we've I think it's okay to celebrate large accomplishments and I don't think that takes away from like the social media presence that the social media landscape right now that is um you know fighting for justice and to destroy Mm -hmm. white supremacy I think you're also allowed to celebrate like really big life accomplishments that you worked really really hard for Uh, it's not like you're posting a uh sailboat selfie yeah being like hashtag (laughs) summer you know matter (laughs) yeah sailboats yeah Yeah. Yeah. i don't know i've seen some interesting things it's but you know broadly speaking i just think with social media in general it's such a shitty thing but then just the momentum it has been able to generate for a movement or even learning that oh you know just signing that change.org petition might not be the best thing to do go to color of change and sign their position petitions something I learned today not that change.org is bad it's just they have other focuses and right now this is trending but some an organization like color of change is always working towards this so I learned that from an Instagram post and continuing to check myself and learn etc yeah etc but this is I mean it's so cool that that's sorry (laughs) I was gonna say it's cool that social media has taken this on I've gotten a lot of my I'm trying to do one action a day and I've gotten a lot of those actions from, from you know, Instagram. <laughs> as weird as that is, it's like a lot of times I'm like, okay, what am I doing today? Like, you know, am I whatever? It, like, it, I called <laughs> the the Louisville District Attorney today, and yeah. I fit, did that because somebody uh, posted on Instagram about it, and I was like, okay, that's gonna be what I do today. Um, and it's cool that that's happening, but. I think you're also allowed to be proud when you accomplish something big. Why, thank you. Why, thank you. And Liza, you are back in New York. How is it? How do you feel? You know, I feel um, really happy to be home. I love this city so much. I'm feeling very appreciative of my home, feeling very proud of how New York is stepping up. There is Black Lives Matter signs everywhere. Not that that's enough on its own, but I've already seen, you know, just people are marching in the streets even in small numbers like last night there was a huge protest yesterday um which is amazing specifically highlighting black trans lives as well if i'm absolutely yeah 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 brooklyn right and the numbers were unreal and it was really powerful but you know last night at 
10 p.m. or something nowhere near there just a group of like 30 people were marching down the street the the wrong way down the street on 8th Avenue to disrupt traffic intentionally Mm -hmm. and chanting Black Lives Matter and people all in all these windows around my street were uh, sticking their heads out the window and cheering for them and and um, you know it's just like it makes me feel very proud to like live in a city where so many people I think care about um the the stuff that that you know should be cared about I I feel very a lot of New York pride now and um and yeah it's also just nice to be home and to see that some stuff is nothing's normal but people are happy people are out with their masks and there's little kids with masks on scooters scooting around the closed down streets and it's just kind of nice to be like okay this is you know we can continue on and um everything's different but you know we can still find happiness and joy in small things and it's been yeah it's been very heartwarming a lot of very very cute kids in masks i don't know why i think that's so cute but i'm just like oh little nuggets everywhere it's extra hard for them too Um, yeah totally it's very cute and it's cute they're playing with each other but you can tell they're like being careful not to touch each other i went to the park yesterday just walked around for a little bit and they're all like people are like kids are playing but they're not like getting too close they're mm-hmm. kicking the ball around and so you know you can see you can tell their parents are setting up play dates but they're trying to like you know it's, it was very very adorable it's very sweet yeah <sighs> um we're gonna oh my god we haven't even said I who know. our <laughs> interview subject is today we have <laughs> such a fun interview today we uh, we love the vibe of interviewing other podcast hosts specifically other dating podcast hosts and today we will be speaking with Julie and UA of the Dateable podcast, a podcast you may listen to. Um, they bring some awesome perspectives. They're both in San Francisco, just super smart and educated on another level about dating, I think. Um, and I really enjoyed our conversation with them. Yeah, they are both so smart and cool and uh, I loved all the perspective they brought. And yeah, it was very it was very fun to chat with them. So excited for you to hear it. Uh, and you should absolutely check out their podcast. All of their stuff is going to be linked below info on how to find their podcast and their social media, um, etc. Yeah. And shall we do a little uh, content consumption, Lizzie? Yeah. Mine I called is... you Lizzie for the first <laughs> time ever on this it. podcast because we hung oh out God, with our it. dear friend Sarah who calls Liza Lizzie. That was so I weird. love it so much. <sighs> we had a fun birthday Zoom with friend of the pod, Sarah Winter. Um yeah, I mean, my content consumption has been the, like I said, Instagram, <laughs> Instagram and articles. Mm-hmm. Um, I ones I wish I had been smart enough to write down some stuff because I feel like I've been doing a lot of reading, but not. Uh, I don't have like titles and authors because I didn't prepare well. However, I also watched like a full last season of Ninety Day Fiance, uh, which is really just the worst. I mean, it's so horrible to watch. Everyone in it is horrible. And it's it's rough. And I I don't know why, but I did watch a full season in about a day. <laughs> and I yeah, I'm my goal for this week is like I am having a really I think I've said this before, I'm having a really hard time reading in in quarantine. Like I makes me spiral. Like I just can't focus. I read the same paragraph twenty times, like I'm having a hard time focusing. But now that I'm home and have my own space back and feel a little bit more like in control of that, I'm really going to try to read. So I actually just started um, Ta-Nehisi Coates' 
I think, I mean, it, his second book, I don't know, it's his first novel mm-hmm. um, called The Water Dancer. I started that today and I'm hoping to finish it by the time we record next because it's long, but not that long. So I'm trying to really be like, sit down, read a book. Don't spiral. Yeah, no, I have a similar goal for myself. So if anyone wants to read along with either of us, I guess we're not really doing book club. We could. Um I, in all of these, this, I have like kind of a duo content consumption recommendation. So first I will talk about the book I want to read, but it came to me through a recommended reading list um, from the second content consumption. Okay. So this is a book that is my goal as well. So I haven't started it yet, but I, I realized that I had never read anything by Audre Lorde. And if you are unfamiliar, she is a writer, um, essayist, poet, who was black, uh, also a lesbian, and just really a pioneer. And I've never read anything at all of hers. So uh, with it being pride and with me trying to better educate myself, I am making an effort. And in 2017, there was a an essay, speech, poem collection um, called Your Silence Will Not Protect You published. And it was on a list that Ira Madison III, if you're familiar with his Twitter or with Keep It, the podcast, he's a host, um, he recommended. And so that's my second part. I love that podcast, Keep It. It's pop culture, um, also hosted by Louis Vertel, who's hilarious, and Aida Osman, and really just a great place to get good. I may have recommended this, honestly, years and years ago, but I love it. It's, it helps me, first of all, like just stay smart about takes on pop culture and, you know, I also just love them. They're so funny. It's really entertaining. It's an LOL podcast. Amazing, amazing guests. And it's a Crooked Media podcast. So check that out. Um, It keeps me entertained if you need a a podcast rec. Uh, Also, this, I mean, my my television content consumption has been very interrupted. I like plowed through almost seven full seasons of Vanderpump Rules, which is now canceled. Canceled. (laughs) You know? Yep. I guess I just hit it, but I think I'm just seeing all the grossness. Like, the way they treat their one trans character, too, yet the entire franchise is benefiting off of, like, these Boys Town LA, which restaurants. Like, basically, there's kind of, like, a very gay part of West Hollywood um, in LA that is full of gay bars and all of Lisa Vanderpump's restaurants are right there and it just the more I've been cramming this junk in my brain and like and in some ways it is just such a brilliant unscripted reality show but it's also just so problematic and it's upsetting that the show show totally all this racist stuff is in seasons that I I watched and they've known about so they came out years ago and they've known about this and if you're unfamiliar you know Two, four actually of the cast members two I don't know because they're from the latest season but Stassi like a name I knew before I ever watched this show and Kristen they were both fired along with two other cast members um, due to really problematic and very racist not just like misconstrued like ignorance like full-on racist um, actions they called the cops on like the one black co-star Faith um they thought she was this woman who was on this other videotape they saw in like the Daily Mail 
of this woman committing a crime. It's just, it's out of control to not think through that. But anyways, that content consumption is gone. But I just started um, Insecure, the latest season, because I hadn't. And so I'm way behind everyone. But apparently last night there was an insane finale. I just saw so many people talking about it, like, without yeah, spoiling. Yeah, I saw, like, yeah. <laughs> I, I feel like this whole season people are just, like, I mean, that show always gets a lot of praise, so well-deservedly, but I feel like it, it, with it being actively back on TV, I'm just seeing people posting about it constantly. Yeah, and if you've never seen it, like, it's just so good for anyone interested in, like, being single versus dating. I don't know. I feel like watching Issa's character, even those early seasons, like, yeah. helped me feel better about where I was at with relationships, so. I also just feel like the central relationship, I mean of the first two seasons i i haven't watched the thir- the most recent season that is just finished airing at all but i feel like the central relationship also just feels so real to me in a way mm-hmm. that like no relationship on shows about millennials dating ever does where i'm like i just feel like i have been in that relationship i have seen every one of my friends be in that relationship it's like the relationship with the guy who you really want it to work but it just doesn't but you love it. it's just like it's so like Ugh, the st- finale yeah. of the second season of that show still just thinking about oh. it was like oh and it's the music so is so good the soundtrack is so, so good on the show. Yeah. um yeah so there's another one i'm also going to promote our content <laughs> on our patreon oh, content <laughs> do we make that <laughs> we followed your lead and you had all voted that you wanted us to recap uh recap like dissect uh roast no <laughs> he's just not that into you the rom-com so we did a double content <laughs> we did that and then some we, it's a lot yeah we live watched it so you can count down like three two one play it on your tv and you'll hear our commentary uh that is on our patreon if that interests you we're not sure if it interests anybody but it's you know we just picked the shit out of that movie from all of the angles um, I will say this we had so much fun recording that I want to do it every week forever mm-hmm. like we just sat with each other in the morning with our iced coffees and watched this rom-com <laughs> which is wretched and hilarious yep and fucking picked it apart and went on the most random tangents about stuff we were thinking and had it just spilled every insane thought that came to our mind about this movie and we had such a good time really um fun. so you can do a, the watch along we also just did a, a regular kind of recap of it like a normal episode like we were doing for our sex in the city recaps so if either of those are of interest to you head over to our patreon any level of membership gets you access to our um full catalog and as a reminder we're still donating the first 500 dollars we make on patreon defeating america um and we have not gotten there yet, but we believe. <laughs> so, uh, and so, honestly, yeah. I will say, yeah. If if you if you're just like I'd like to support something else, just let us know because that was like in COVID before. Yeah, just let us know where you'd like us to put that because yeah. But we're just like it's not. We're not even taking your money until we get to five hundred. And like yeah, we haven't yet. It's a little embarrassing, but it's okay. Uh- <laughs> But also, I truly feel like it's amongst the most fun I've ever had making content and podcasting. And yeah, we have a good time over there. And we're actively except like taking doing polls in the secret Facebook group and taking people's votes for what they want to hear. I'm sorry, what they want us to watch and what they want us to recap so you can get really involved. It's like a great um, a great place to to uh, yeah, tell us what to do. 
Liza, I'm also going to say that we need to both assign ourselves to watching the new season of Dating Around on Netflix. And then yeah. we can decide if we want to do it here or on the Patreon. Like here, like Bachelor style, like five minutes. And also on that yeah. note, before we get to our interview, should we do five minutes timed on the Bachelor's announcement? Or is yes. that too much? <laughs> I just really want to talk about it. I do too. I don't even think we need five minutes. Like two minutes. Okay. So. Yes. Okay. We'll give ourselves two minutes. I actually don't have my timer in front of me. So we're going to. I know. I'm using my phone to record. So it's going to be We're going to do our system. best. We're going to. Yeah. You know. We're, but don't worry. If you hate The Bachelor, you don't need to listen. Actually, you should listen to this anyway because it's, I think, it is a step forward, though it has its problems. Um, uh, Matt James, 919, is The Bachelor. Liza. I mean, I'm happy because I've had a crush on him from afar via my crush on Tyler Cameron even before he was announced on Clara's season because like he's Tyler's best friend from from Wake Forest right yep. they played football together at Wake Forest where Kenny so, went if you're a yes. long listener um uh, yeah he was circle. one time he saw my phone he was like why are you following Matt James because he like knew of him when he was a football player I guess they overlapped in some way shape or form and I was like you don't know he's friends with like this hot guy from The Bachelor so like everyone's now following him too. oh my god I actually think but, I still follow him but I don't fi- follow Tyler Cameron anymore because Tyler just got too annoying hot but annoying. yeah I mean I I all I do is just look at his shirtless pics I, it's I don't know but Matt I I don't know I think he's gonna be great I, he, I haven't okay so here's the thing I only know him from his social like I don't think I've I don't know much about his um personality but I just feel like him and Tyler's friendship is so cute how Mm -hmm. can he not be a cutie I know he's a cutie (laughs) and if you're just like looking for content around that um shout out another podcast we love but bachelor party had Rachel Lindsay on and Rachel like you know was like this is just like the band-aid fix from the franchise which is fair they later put out a statement but her thoughts are really interesting um our another favorite podcast of ours two black girls one rose they had a really interesting I reposted in our Instagram you know Additional point about just how important seeing representation of black men in, you know, a non-aggressive or stereotypical way will be and how important that, like, just having that. As, like, a dreamboat romantic male with a family, with a personality, with, I mean, it's insane that we haven't already had this and that there are some people out there who need that to see black people as human. I mean, that's disgusting and problematic in and of itself, but change doesn't happen overnight and over over and over again we do see like these weird cultural things are like i think that we've seen this in the lgbtq movement that putting gay people on tv like ellen will and grace and even the original queer eye like did huge amounts for people being like oh gay people are people should it have taken that no and should, should they have be here no yeah and should so some of the stereotypes up. like not have been so stereotypical no but like yeah. it's yeah of course i, I can't i just can't believe it's taken sure. this long sorry it's just insane and there have been so many like from within the bachelor franchise to great candidates yeah. anyway i i recommend listening to you know two black girls one rose or bachelor party the episode with rachel Lindsay that julia did just to like Totally. You know, have way more evolved takes than lies than I could. But as a as a podcast that has is not a bachelor podcast, but has talked about the bachelor at length, uh, we had to mention it. I'm sorry, I had to mention it. Um, no, of course, it's important. It's, it's big news. Something. I'm excited. It's insane that it's taken this long. Anyway, let's I'm get to the whenever meet. they can film it again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It. They're still doing Clara season, which is interesting. Like, I feel like okay, an older woman. 
And then, you know, your first black bachelor, I guess we have to keep watching. We can still be critical, yeah. but we have to keep watching. Um, yep. <laughs> we'll see how they do. We'll see how they do. Uh, okay. So we, oh yeah, the meat of the episode. I think this is, we talk now with Julie and UA about like all the different things that are starting to come up as we re-enter the dating scene. I know we talked about that, Liza and I, like how things are going to evolve, but I really think they have some really smart and interesting takes on what dating is going to look like going forward. And I think you all will appreciate that. Um, Completely. Yes. So we're going to take a really quick break, and then we'll be back with Julie and Yue. This show is supported by State Farm. Insurance is a part of any solid financial plan. Making sure you have the important things in life covered is one of the best ways to give yourself a little breathing room when things go awry. It's important to protect not only your business, but yourself as a business owner and all current and future team members. State Farm agents know what it takes to run and protect a small business because State Farm agents are all small business owners and they live and work in your community. So they're deeply attuned to what's happening with other small businesses in your market. If you have a small business and are interested in making sure you're protected, reach out to your local State Farm agent to learn more about what you need. They'll help you find the right policy at the right price for your business. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Hey, everybody. Now, we are so excited to be joined by Julie and Yue of the Dateable Podcast. Hello. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you thanks. for having us. Thanks so much for having us. And I, my video just went away. I have no idea why. Sorry. <laughs> it's a new era of podcasting, I feel. <laughs> just... <laughs> I'm so much happier, though. I don't have to stare at myself and being awkward. It's all the gremlins. I, I swear to God, every day brings a new technological thing in my life that doesn't work because I'm just using so much more technology. So, um, so true. You know, it, it, kumbaya, it happens. I've been trying to adopt a Zen attitude and just stuff will work when it works, I guess. Um, we're thrilled to have you guys. We're going to talk about all things your podcast we're gonna talk about dating we're gonna talk about maybe easing back into dating now that restrictions have lifted potentially we're gonna talk about normal non-quarant dating we're gonna do it all but uh we always like to to introduce our listeners to our guests by asking for a worse first date story do you guys have any good ones so many (laughs) i feel like my entire year of 2012, I feel like was first year. <laughs> that was a weird year. Other than 2020, that's been the weirdest year. Well, that's when Tinder first came out. So I think there's a little bit of a correlation, but I won't sure. draw any conclusions. <laughs> <laughs> so I think the one that stands out to me, there was one guy that I was talking to that he actually lived in um, San Jose, which is like a neighboring city to San Francisco where I'm based or both of us are based. And he, you know, like normally I typically had been dating people that lived in the city, but I was trying to expand my horizons and meet more people. So he had told me that he wanted to come up and meet me. We hadn't really had much communication before this. So I was like, I was down, but I was also like, oh, like, what if this is a bummer? This guy had to travel like an hour to meet me. But he told me that he was going to meet up with friends first. So I kind of felt like alleviated by that. But there was still not really like a set plan, even though we knew that we were meeting up Friday night, but he 
told me he was like on the train. He told me that he was going to like meet a friend first for drinks. And then just like progressively kept messaging me that he like was moving from bar to bar and his like text started to get like more slurred. And at one point I was like, is this date actually happening? Like, should I just call it? Because it feels like he's getting like kind of drunk. And then eventually, like right when I was having this moment of like clarity of should I do this he sends me a message with a like a concrete plan and it was like a pretty like nice upscale bar so I was like okay I'll just meet him like you've already come this far (laughs) so I show up and he is like obliterated like I have never seen someone this drunk and he literally could not stare past my boobs like his eyes were just like on my boobs and I just continued the date but I had like friends that were dining like around the corner. So I was basically just like waiting for them to finish their meal. And then I was like, okay, I'm gonna cut out once they're ready so I can just like continue the night because it was like a Friday night. So I stayed there and I'm also like a pretty curious person which is probably why I do this podcast. So (laughs) I just kept kind of going with it. This guy was just like, I feel like we have such a connection. Like this is such a bond. Like he was just like really thinking like I was the one and eventually it like got to a point that I had to like put him in an Uber. At, I mean, I think it was actually a cab at the time. This was so long ago. But I had to like put him in there to get to the train station because he could not physically walk. Like he was just so done. So yeah, that was a moment. And then the next day he like messaged me being like, I felt like there was a really co- real connection, but I think I might have butchered it. So he owned it at least. Oh. I, ca- I do respect yeah. that response. <laughs> and I must say, you captured two of the biggest themes that happen in these first first date stories, like high, high levels of intoxication, absolutely inappropriate inebriation, and then also one person being on a totally different page from the other, like in terms yes. of thinking it went okay or well. It sounds like, you know, he actually understood that it wasn't great, but yeah. <laughs> Did you message him back? Did you continue the conversation or were you like... I'm good on this. You know, I'm very much a non-ghosting person. So I think I messaged him back and just was like, yeah, you kind of were, you know, (laughs) and made it clear that it probably wasn't going to happen again. Because honestly, like, I I mean, it was just not the best first way to meet someone, but also like we just didn't have much in common either. Yeah. It was just, yeah, all of it. (laughs) So yeah, Yeah. stands out all these years later though. So boy, I surely remember that story, Julie. (laughs) (laughs) it never gets old every time you tell it it's the Um, worst feeling to be sober and sitting across from a super drunk person and being like well this is my problem for the next 45 minutes you know like there's like what can I do here it's like honestly if it was current day I probably just would have like left earlier and I would have gone home and just like met my friends out like in an hour like why did I need to subject myself to that but I don't know in the moment it was kind of interesting slash entertaining so yeah Totally. And then you, what about you? Do you have a, do you have a worse first? Oh, yes. Uh, I, I don't know if this is like a worse dating story or one of the best. I think it's one of the worst and best of my dating career. This was back in New York. Julie knows the story too. I've actually told it on our podcast. I was in New York. I met this guy on a job or something. He was there doing something on the client side and he asked me to hang out for drinks one night. So I was like, sure, let's do it. So he asked to hang out at 6 p.m. And I got to the bar and he said, I have till seven. So I'm like, awesome. I have 
hour time limit. And then he proceeded to tell me that I can order anything off the happy hour menu, which was, um, I believe, five selections of wine that were 50% off. And, uh, uh, but he said it in a manner that was like, you know, he was very generous. Like, oh. feel free to order anything off of this menu in particular. And at about 6.30, cause I checked my time, uh, he said to me, you know, this isn't a date, right? <laughs> I'm like, oh no, I, 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 what, what is it? A support group or what? Are you just getting to know, know a new friend? And he said, no, this is a meeting of the minds. When I met you, I knew that we would have some very brainy conversations. <laughs> Ew, I want to throw up. Wow. Iggy, <laughs> sexy. So want to sleep with you now. And at seven on the dot, he said he needed to leave. So he left. <laughs> so what, what was the best part of this night was the bar manager comes over after this guy leaves. And he said, did I just witness that thing, that whole thing go down? Did he just ask you for a meeting of the minds and on a date? And I was like, oh, hell yeah, that's what was said. So he said, call up two of your best girlfriends and the whole night's on me, free drinks, free food. <laughs> and that's exactly what I did. We, we stayed there till like 2 a.m. just drinking and eating and having a grand old time. I'm that's obsessed. fantastic. And then you dated the bar owner, right? <laughs> right. And now we're married. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I mean, like, he sounds like a gem. So let's marry him. Or Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> or, or just, I don't know, one night stand. He deserved it. <laughs> God, those moments give me faith in humanity. <laughs> yeah, seriously. And yeah, I think when you said the worst date, but it's also the best date, I was like, what is this going to be? But that is the best version of that happening. I think. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it really turned around for me. Oh my God. Hilarious. So for, you know, at, before we dive into just talking about dating, for our listeners who are not familiar with our podcast, Julia Nui, would you share a little bit about kind of where you're at in terms of dating, uh, what your relationship to dating has been in the past, present, future, whatever you want to share that you feel like would be important context. We have a lot of single listeners. Um, yeah. Yeah, just about our own personal relationships. Yeah, right now. And, you know, I, again, it's so cheesy, but I'm like, what's your relationship to relationships? Like, you know, what's your dating life been like? (laughs) Honestly, like we've been doing this podcast for four years. uh, And throughout those four years, there's been a lot of change in both of our lives. Like I started off when we first started this podcast in a relationship that was like the love of my life. And then it ended and from there was kind of back into the single scene and dating but also navigating heartbreak at the same time and honestly this podcast was like totally therapeutic at that because it was we really started the podcast about just hearing about people's stories and what we found was that no one is really alone in their stories like everyone is going through the same things and i think where it's evolved over the over the 4 years and where i think i've also evolved is that it's so much more than that. Like there's just like a change of our society right now when it comes to dating. And that's only going to continue like in a post COVID-19 and Black Lives Matter worlds. Like things are just 
constantly in flux and there's just no right one right way to have a relationship anymore and no run one right way to date and I think one of the things that we've learned from the podcast is one that everyone's just on their own personal journey and there's the ups and downs with dating is just part of the course and you kind of need to go through it in order to get to like where you want to be and then where you want to be isn't necessarily like one linear path like it was in the past it was oh, you get married, you have kids, and that like that could be your path, but doesn't need to be your path. And I think what we've learned too is just, this is really like one of the benefits, we all like bitch about modern dating, about like the downsides and the fails and like the ghosting and all that. But one of the benefits of it is that there's so much opportunity and so many ways to meet people that it allows us to really create the love lives that we want and not just subscribe to whatever was told for us. So personally for me, I think, I mean, I've gone, had different relationships throughout the podcast. I've reconnected with the my ex over quarantine too, the one that I mentioned earlier, like, and even like went through that reconnection, I had changed so much from when we first dated. And he was like, wow, you're really good at this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, I've been doing a dating podcast for the last four years. So I think there's just a lot of self evolution that happens. That Was that the ex you reconnected with over quarantine? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, All right. But you yeah. decided, okay, I I mean, you, you can go listen to Dateable to hear more about that, but we can talk about it too. <laughs> I mean, we've had just like, it's been like, just I'll touch on it really quick, but it's like been one of those situations where there was just a lot going on in his life. And I think when I first was with, with dating, I'm like, oh, you just need to meet someone. And if two people love each other, it just works out. And what I've learned along the way is that that is not the case a lot of the times. Like we had Mark Manson, who's a very famous mm-hmm. author on ours, our podcast. And he talked about how like love is just not enough. Like there's so much other external things happening and love can be the most amazing thing, but it doesn't always solve all the problems. And I think my ex and I really, we both really wanted to make it work, but just like ultimately, and like we've tried so many times and this like quarantine time was kind of like that okay, we are like doing this or we're not like we're getting married, like we're going on the path to getting married or we're not doing this because we can't keep like doing the back and forth. So I think quarantine was great for us because it was a way that we could like air it all out in a way that wasn't getting the physical mixed in. Yeah, no, that's that's so interesting. And then you, you're in a relationship, correct? Yes, I am. But this whole evolution of our podcast has been like a relationship in itself. (laughs) I think in the beginning with any relationship, it's all about storytelling. You're trying to catch up about each other's lives and just trying to entertain each other. And I would say our earlier seasons were that. And then it became like group therapy. And that's when you get deeper into a relationship where you're like trying to be vulnerable and divulge a lot of information. But at our current stage, at our podcast, which is also my current stage in my relationship, is kind of like looking at the consequences of our actions and then how that, what are the sociological implications of that? And that's just a very, uh, I guess, scientific or technical way of saying like, what the fuck are we doing? Like, why are we doing the things that we're doing? And how do we unravel some of these limiting beliefs that we have? And it's so relevant to everything that's going on in the world right now. Because if you think about like what you, what you girls have talked about on your podcast too, is it's not just about dating. It spans so much wider than that. Mm-hmm. It goes into every aspect of your life and how you were grow, how you were raised, how your mindset has been, um, you know, how you've been conditioned to 
think certain things. And now's the time to question why, 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 why do we do the things we do? Yeah. I think also like we're, UA and I are both in our like mid to late thirties. So we kind of straddle like this, like old school way of thinking with new school way of thinking. So we're elder millennials. And I think like one of the challenges like UA brought up is like unraveling and then figuring out like what traditions serve you and what rules don't, right? Like, why are we dating in certain ways? Like, is that just because we think we should do it? Our parents have that expectation. Society has that expectation versus like, what do we actually want? Yeah, I really loved when you spoke about that recently on your podcast. Like, do you actually want a relationship? Which we've tried to kind of unpack for listeners too. What do you think, you know, for someone who's not sure if they want a relationship? Like if you, and you can each have a different piece of advice, but what's like the biggest indicator you maybe don't actually want one or you just want one for kind of a societal reason? I mean, I think if you're forcing yourself, like if you feel like you genuinely, like, I think you know when you want a relationship, when you want to be meeting people, like you want to be sharing your life with someone. If you're just going through the motions and like you're swiping because you feel like you have to, you're going on dates because you feel like you have to, I think that's a sign. Or if you're canceling dates last minute because you'd rather go out with your girlfriends or guy friends, whatever, like I think that is a real telltale sign. There were years that I thought I wanted a relationship and I remember my best friend being like are you sure you want a relationship because your actions like don't really follow suit like I was hooking up with a guy friend of mine that I thought like was the one yet he was telling me that like he did not want a relationship in any form so anyone that wanted a relationship would be like this is not a viable partner yet wow, that I just resonated like, sorry to interrupt yeah and that I think would be forever <laughs> When you're in that, and where I was, is that I was in this mindset of like, I must win him over. Like, I must like make this work. And I think when you're in that mindset and when it's coming from ego versus like my last relationship I mentioned, like, even though we didn't end up working out, like we both always just wanted the best for each other. Like we just Mm -hmm. cared and loved about, loved each other so much. And I think that's when, you know, it's a relationship versus like you're going through the motions. Yeah. So true. I think it's about finding, just look at the evidence. You can say one thing, but then look at your actions and then really journal your actions that you've been doing. If you say you want a relationship, are you actually communicating that on when you go on dates? Or are you the one that's like, no, I'm the cool chick. I don't need a relationship. You know, we can keep things casual for now, which is what a lot of people do because they're so afraid of wasting what they want. And then also like, do your actions really match what you say you're trying to put out there? Mm -hmm. If you say you want a relationship, are you still putting out these actions that you want something casual or that you're afraid or that you don't actually know what a good relationship looks like? It's just, you just have to look at the evidence in in yourself and you'll know. Yeah, Yeah, totally. I also think that that doing that work and self-examination can show you that also, maybe you, if you think you want a relationship, if you want it for the right reasons, mm-hmm. which is to like enrich and fulfill your life versus like mm-hmm. I'm X age and I would like t- my parents to stop worrying about if I'll ever get married. You know, there's a lot of like, I'm sure all of us have talked about a lot of bullshit about yes. 
like why we should all be in relationships and how we're uh like worthless uh witches if we're not you know yeah <laughs> i think a lot and of- it's hard to parse those things it's like i mm-hmm. str- still struggle with it i think a lot of it shows up in the way you talk to like i totally agree it's the actions but we had a guest on our show say that like are you constantly complaining that you're single because if you're saying that you're emphasizing the single piece you're not emphasizing the relationship piece and i think like to your point, Liza, like one of the things that I remember, like when I said I always wanted a relationship, I was, my number one thing was like a guy that would get along well with my friends that I could go out with and bring him along and do this stuff. And looking back on that, I'm like, that is like not a reason to be in a relationship. Like I'm looking for someone to just be in like this single like life stage with me. And I think when your priorities shift to being like, I want to be with this person because I enjoy spending so much time with them, that's when there's a difference of what you're actually looking for. Completely. I was talking to my friend the other night who has been single for a while and like very all about it. And uh, she was saying, she was like, I just want to be in love right now. Like I want (laughs) to, and I was like, I feel like that's such a great thing of how it should feel. Yes. Like Mm -hmm. she was thrilled like thriving in her single life for a while and she was like all of a sudden I was just like oh I want to fall in love with someone I want to love them so much right and I was like oh that's like yeah I think that's such a exactly what you're saying like if it's the the I think you can listen to those impulses and hear some truths mm-hmm. amen um just to, to backtrack a little bit can you talk to us a little bit about like what the inspiration was to start your podcast uh, it was not a dating experiment, but, <laughs> but it definitely was this, we had a meeting of the minds. I think we, Julie and I met through a former company that Julie used to run, uh, which was facilitating in real life connections over brunch. And we met at one of her brunches and we saw each other uh, a few other times after that. And every time we would talk about our dating lives. So well, backstory is I, ha- I was brand new to San Francisco, never lived in San Francisco as an adult. And Julie had been in San Francisco for most of her adult life. So she had only known dating through San Francisco lens. And I had no idea what, a, what a, I was getting myself into. And at that time, things were changing so much in modern dating. I couldn't keep up. And I was a former dating coach and I couldn't even keep up. I actually quit coaching after coming to San Francisco because I was like, I don't know what the hell's going on here. <laughs> and so Julie and I, I decided that we really should put our perspectives and share these stories in an audio format, just purely for entertainment in the beginning. And also just for us to parse out like what exactly was going on. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how would you guys categorize San Francisco dating? I feel like I don't know I don't, there's not a stereotype that jumps to my mind with San Francisco dating. You know there's what's one that funny? jumps to my mind. <laughs> oh, I wanna, maybe I'll say it what we think first and then I want to hear what your stereotype is. Yes. No, I want, I know I want to hear the stereotype <laughs> okay, fine, first. Fine. Stereotype okay, first. Tell I've never you. lived there. This is just like, you know, now I'm in LA and like friends who have lived there. I'm just, I'm like, I feel like there's like, hiking dates with tech bros in Patagonia's like that's what I'm picturing and they're they're really into like their fancy apartment like I don't know I have that is just like the Silicon Valley stereotype mm-hmm. so I'm probably being unfair but I feel like I don't know we do get listeners writing in about San Francisco as though it's mm-hmm. better than New York and LA but also difficult in some ways so actually I'm taking it back a little bit 
I'm See, tell me experts. No, tell me. You know what's funny <laughs> is when we first started this, it was about dating in San Francisco. I feel like we've pivoted so much over the years and just I shouldn't say pivot, but we've evolved over the years. And I think it was that I had been in San Francisco for 10 years. So like I'm originally from Boston, but most of my adult dating life has really been in San Francisco. And like UA mentioned, she was new here. And initially we thought it was a very unique scene compared to other places in the country. And I think it is in some ways, and I think it isn't in others. I think why it's unique is that things tend to happen here first. Like all the dating apps are kind of incubated here. Like technology is like at the forefront of everything we do in SF, hence your kind of stereotype here. <laughs> Sorry. But guys. I think there's I do also, so there is that stereotype, but then there's this also stereotype of like, you know, like summer of love, just like, gay rights first, like we've always been kind of like this non-cultural norm. Like we're kind of like the counter capital culture of the world, of the world. Like San Francisco people like do what they want to do. And I think we've challenged a lot of traditional relationships first, like polyamory and open relationships while they're visible other places. Like I know in New York and LA, like they're definitely growing. And even like we've heard of just like places in the South where you would never expect it. It's definitely happening and growing, but in San Francisco it was very out in the open and like, except like we, went to like a sex party that this group, um, basically a community for people that are in non-monogamous relationships, they like have these communities that allow people to come together and meet each other. And it's on a Facebook group. So it's like pretty public in a way, like it's a private group, but that's pretty out there where I think a lot of other cultures in the United States might be a little more behind closed doors. You know what I mean? So I think no, there point. is that, but the other side of it is the same problems happened everywhere. Like, I think we, we quickly realized that this was not like just San Francisco. Like people are experiencing the same things. And a lot of it's just because gender roles are changing or technology now, like dating apps, like used to be like a thing first in SF, but now it's everywhere. Like that's the primary way to meet people. So it's, there's some differences, but there's a lot of similarities. Yeah, I think, you know, it's everywhere where you, you think are the stereotypes of dating in that city, it's just the same thing with a different face. Yeah. So the tech bro with the Patagonia vest, you know, hiking in San Francisco, that kind of date definitely exists. It's the same as the LA dater who's hiking Runyon Canyon sharing their screenplays and the New Yorker hiking on the High Line um, in their Canada Goose. It's, no, like it's so true. The same, <laughs> right? It's the same date, just with a different package. But what we experience, it's all the same. Like the same complaints are in every city. And that's the problem with dating is that people think it's their city. It's so not. It's them. Yeah. <laughs> it's them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Completely. Yeah. And and men. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but <laughs> no, but I think that it's true. There are, we had some expert on who basically, you know, we were asked who had lived in a lot of cities and we asked what the most difficult city to date, which city was the most difficult to date in. And she was like, everyone thinks their city is the most difficult mm -hmm. to date in. Mm -hmm. And I think about that all the time because it's true. It's just, no, dating's really hard and people, some people weren't raised well and some people are horrible communicators and some people just were never aren't confident in themselves not even nefariously or anything like that um 
Mm-hmm. You know what? And Liza and Kenny, you two have a global audience too. I mean, you have listeners from all over the world. So you've probably seen that it's not even just a US thing. Yeah. It's all over the world. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. That's a good reminder. Yeah. When we get emails from like Sweden or yep. you know, exactly. Australia yeah. and you're Same like, here. We're like, wow. It's yeah. the same shit. <laughs> you know what's interesting though is there I think the people will always say, like, we have a lot of men in San Francisco that are trying to pack their bags. A few of them actually just got stopped because of COVID-19 but we're ready to move across the country <laughs> to be with more women so they think it's like the quantity mm-hmm. thing and mm-hmm. it's interesting the whole ratios and I'm sure like you guys at I mean Liza you're currently there but like as living in New York you am sure you've experienced this too yeah. and I do think there's some like some significance to it like I went to a college that was 70 percent women And it definitely changed the dating dynamics. I'm not going to say that it didn't, but I also think that it doesn't necessarily solve it just by going somewhere that's more like, for example, like Denver, that's like, it's called nickname Menver, right? But there is actually (laughs) like studies that Denver is like one of the worst places to date because men and women are so separated. Like men put very little effort into like dating whatsoever. So it's not always about, the numbers like that doesn't tell the whole story like in San Francisco there's more men than women but there's a lot of gay men there's a lot of like young like tech bros that have moved here that are in their like early 20s and there's a lot of like single women in like their mid to late 30s like that's just not a match right so it's not always about the numbers completely and I feel like New York has such a the exact opposite reputation of just like I mean this is fully just sex in the city um nonsense downloaded into our brains but uh, just that it's filled with single women and there's no single men and while you do feel that sometimes I also think I happen to think New York's a great city to date in because almost everybody I know who has woken up and been like okay I'm ready to take dating seriously has been able to meet so many people right and mm. mostly find someone who they at least can like and connect with and have any length of relationship with. You know, any most people I know who have like sat down and been like, this is my moment, I'm going to do it, have found somebody that they like enough to date for a couple months at least. And <laughs> yeah. that means there's plenty of single men. And you just pointed, it's the mindset. It's so the mindset. Like you can be anywhere, but if you're not changing and working on yourself, then it doesn't really matter where you're at. Yeah. Yeah. How do you both think the mind, like how can people thinking about dating again as things open up, like how can they keep like this new mindset in mind? Because I feel like this country is going through like a massive change that I hope, you know, really creates and drives some change, you know, of course with COVID and being quarantined. But I also think with Black Lives Matter and the recent events in this country, like I just think people's mindsets are going to be shifting in lots of ways. I'm just curious what you how you think the dating mindset might shift. You don't have to exactly correlate them because I know that's a weird ask, but I just feel like we're all valuing different things. So if you had any thoughts. Yeah, I think there was a recent Kinsey Institute study that was put out from, um, conducted a study of a diverse range of adults from 18 to 81. So very diverse. And they found that the majority of the people who've entered into some sort of relationship or try to date during COVID are experiencing like more open-mindedness. So they're open to trying new things. And that could just be finding virtual pleasure, like 
sexting and virtual sex parties are really hot right now because it's kind of like, what, what's your alternative? And also um, six in 10 people have said that they've talked to someone outside of their usual type which I think is absolutely fantastic. So I think one way to think about how these benefits were, what our learnings can last even post COVID is this open-mindedness and how we approach our perspective on life in general. And I think a lot of people have implemented this open-mindedness and for, for them to see the results of it, because I think people are getting um, more interesting matches or having more interesting conversations, they'll see that because the benefits prove that open-mindedness can yield better benefits, I think they'll keep it up even post-COVID. And I think especially with Black Lives Matter, it's made us all like reevaluate some of these like constructs and things that we've like subconsciously felt. Like I know for myself, like I'm back on apps after this breakup and I had to go in and be like, what do I even have on my preferences? Like race, cause there's yeah. still apps that do racial yeah. preferences. And I'm like, fuck this, I'm opening it up to everyone, right? And just like yeah. letting mm-hmm. it be. So I think this openness is really gonna start to trickle down like UA was just saying. And I think also, especially during quarantine, a lot of us have had a lot of time to reflect because you know we've had just that downtime, like, if we've been healthy throughout the whole thing. And then also like, I think some of us might come out and say, yep, a relationship actually isn't what I've wanted. Like maybe I was thriving and being single and living alone and I'm loving it or I'm with roommates and I'm super happy. And that's great if that's kind of what you came out with. And maybe you might not be kind of as actively pursuing dating apps and some of the things that you once were because you're clear on your intentions. But then I think there's a lot of us that have realized that like life is short like love really is the most important thing in in life and like your relationships really do matter. And I think that's going to cause people that are just more relationship minded or maybe people that were on the edge to kind of refocus some priorities and then really start to date a little more intentionally. Yeah, no, I think I, I, I can see that intentional. I hope everything, everyone's a bit kinder, more open minded, more intentional with dating. Um, or just, I guess, takes care of each other as dating goes back to some new normal. Um, yeah. Well, I also think it's going to be hard to have, you know, so much of your initial conversations and in dating is so surface level and that's fine. You mm-hmm. know, I, like I don't advocate for being sitting down at a bar texting on or, you know, app chatting and being like, so how do you, what's your relationship with your mother? You know, like it doesn't need to be <laughs> intense, but I also think that a lot of people are more emotionally available right now because mm-hmm. there's all of this crazy shit happening in the world and I know that like every time I talk to any friend the first thing I say is like how are you like how are you doing right. like not just like hey how's it going but like mm-hmm. how are you doing as a human right now this like and I think it's hard not to get to a deeper place or maybe not a deeper place a more vulnerable place earlier right now because you have to talk about the world it's like that's right. what's on all of our minds mm-hmm. I mean I just did a phone date the other last week and we spent like the whole time talking about like Black Lives Matter because it was obviously so present. And at the end of the date, I was like, you know, I mean, this was first on phone. We're, we're regressing to video this week. So, you know, it's happening, nice. but <laughs> trying to take baby steps. But I like that. <laughs> I think that's actually, I mean, that's actually a benefit of taking like a little more time to get to know people. So when you actually do show up and meet them, you're like excited about it or you've saved yourself time. But I think what, just back to the conversation is we did spend a lot of time just talking about like current state of the world. And at the end, when I got off the call, I'm like, 
did that go well or did it not go well? Because like, I don't really know, like it wasn't like the traditional date, but I'm like, okay, like I've learned so much about this person and how, what their values are. Like that's mm-hmm. so much more important than like where they go, what bars they go to and like what sports they watch. Like when you really think about like compatibility long-term. Yeah. I really think we're almost in our own experiment of the bachelor or bachelorette where we're kind of like in this <laughs> in this uh, other universe where we have no other distractions and we're really trying to get to know like that one bachelor that we the only bachelor that we you know that we can talk to but the other kind of psychological impact on um, virtual dating is video dating and how it's affecting the way we see ourselves so I know in your quarantine episode you two talked about putting a sticky note over your face because sometimes when you do video dates you only look at yourself but what psychologists have found super interesting is that when you see yourself on a video call you see yourself reflected back at you and you know when you're bsing because you because you know you see it in your eyes you see it in your own in your own freaking reflection. So I think what's happening with virtual dating is people are starting to, to tear down their walls and say, this is not the way I want to present myself on the date. All those other times I was BSing through a date or trying to, trying to give off this perception of myself. That's so not me. I'm letting that go because I'm now seeing the true self. Hmm. I'm sort of mind blown. Yeah, it could be a good thing to have to stare at yourself on a date, like for every single person who's dated ever. I, I don't know. Like, and I agree. I, I think it's very distracting yeah. because yes, you are focusing on yourself quite a bit, but there is something to be said about just accepting the person you see reflected back. And can you live with that person on screen? Like, are you happy with what you see talking and the way she's she's reacting and presenting herself. I mean, I think video dates are very challenging, but that being said, I think I'm happy that they're finally having their moment. Like we've been talking about video dates for years and so many apps have been trying to make video dates happen. Like we actually had an app that we like did an experiment with like three years ago that's out of business because video date did not video dating did not take off but now it's definitely having their moment like who would have thought zoom would be the one to like solve it but it's happening (laughs) and I think though it's it was like at the beginning of quarantine everyone was all about doing the video dates and then it really died off real fast and I think what ended up happening was people got discouraged because they were like when am I actually going to meet this person? This feels like a gigantic waste of time. Not to mention there's just so many emotions that were happening. It's, it's hard to meet new people at that time. But I think now that we're like going into like this new normal or whatever we're calling it, I don't know how I feel about that word, but we're going there with the new society, whatever it's happening. I think video dating could actually be really great for us because it can, like I mentioned a little earlier, for me, the best dates I've had have been the ones that I've been excited to go to, not the ones that I feel like I'm forcing myself to go to. And like, there was a period that I literally wouldn't even put someone's like name in my phone because I'm like the odds of me actually seeing this person again, like I'm not going to actually even take that two seconds to put their name in because I most likely will never talk to them again. That is a terrible mindset to be going into a date. Like now I try to really put their name like first and last if I can, like this is someone that I'm excited to meet. And I think by having the video dates first, it will let us do that filtering that we often say we'll do, but we don't because everyone's like, well, we just need to meet in person and see. 
And I think it will just let us be a lot more focused while also giving us the options, which is a benefit of dating apps, but not letting us get bogged down in those options. Totally. Yeah. I mean, we do phone interviews before any job right. ever calls us. You know, I think it's the same. It's like it does also if you if you do want to be intentional about dating, it is a lot of time and a lot of energy. You can get fatigue. You can get worn out. I think it's a good way to just turn the dial down on that a little bit. In terms of technicalities of dates, how do you both see like dates themselves evolving we were like wow like meeting at a crowded bar and sitting next to each other on stools feels like a thing of the past or the distant future Mm -hmm. i think people are gonna get really creative i was reading some stories about about people doing social distancing picnics Mm -hmm. social distanced uh jogs it just something about meeting up in person, but still keeping that social distance and slowly inching your way closer and closer with each date. I, I, I really do think that is the new way of dating is, is when your mortality is at stake and when you're thinking about um, the health of yourself and others, that's, that's a very powerful consequence of what you're doing. So I think everyone will think twice before meeting up with someone in person. I think COVID-19 has ruined fuckboys completely because like you can't just, you know, do the bare minimum anymore. Like you have to put in effort. Like there was this meme on, I think that was like circulating Twitter or Twitter post that was like, hey, like I can't just get the hey text from you anymore when there's a guy like serenading me over Zoom or like planning that picnic. And it's really requiring people to step it up a bit. And I think also a surefire way to see someone's intentions, like what we're supposed to, I know quarantine has been lifted a lot of places, but coronavirus has not gone away. Like there is still this in the air, like it's still happening. We're still supposed to be socially distancing. Like if you get someone on a dating app just being like, let's hook up or like DTF, that is like a huge red flag that you can identify immediately. And I think this is going to really let like the cream of the crop rise up in the people that are intentional to do it and probably do more day dates, do more sober dates. Like there's ways to obviously do like drinks to go, at least in San Francisco, I don't know about other cities, but we can yeah. do our drinks to go, which has been nice. But you're not, you're probably not going to be like drinking as much when you have to like grab a couple drinks and bring them to a park, for example. You're not going to be like binge drinking the way that we did on dates. So I think it will also bring more clarity and intention. Like you always had this term like sober first kiss of like the way to like really gauge uh, chemistry. And it's been so hard for that to actually go into practice because we're never sober on dates, but maybe now we will be. Yeah. Yeah. And you have to really like someone to, not really like, but really you have to have some trust in someone to go to their house and put your mouth on their mouth because you have to be able to say like, hey, have you been being careful? Have you been wearing a mask? Like, you know, are we going to consciously take this risk together? Is it, are we at that stage? Which I know as a human who, you know, 
sorry mom went home with some gentleman from Paris whose last names I didn't know like that that's not on your mind you know right you know what the one thing though it's like this is something that happened to me and I think people need to be careful for is false intimacy that comes from video dates like I went on a date this was like right before coronavirus like really started to hit and we had done like a couple phone calls we never actually did video and by the time we actually met he was like oh this is like our third date and I'm like no no it's not and he had this expectation that we were like gonna go home together and I'm like wait we are not on the same page at all so I think there is some of that that comes in and like also being mindful of things like I actually said this to UA and I'm so glad this I didn't happen because I did feel like I built up so much rapport with this guy that I'm like would it actually be safer for me to go like have him come over than to go to a bar this was like right when the cusp of everything shutting down but in no like no worlds would I ever just invite a stranger into my home so I think it's like especially with day dates that might spill over and there's nowhere you can go you might start to like progress things a little faster than you would have in normal worlds. so I think there that's something to watch out for yeah, that's interesting. The ho- like one person's home, especially if they live alone, becomes a lot safer than a bar. And then um, this is kind of a pivot, but I'm curious if there's like <laughs> what I, I don't even know our answer to this. So it's a little unfair, but is there a really difficult dating question you get a lot that is just kind of like the hardest question you get or the one you like feel like is the most difficult to answer? Oh, Look at that, Kimmy. I mean, I that thought of this a... earlier because I was trying to think of it like I wanted to ask you, but I also wanted to figure it out from our perspective. So I can try to brainstorm if you want to think about it. <laughs> I can answer the easiest one we get first sure. while we're yes, thinking that's about good it. Too. I think anytime someone goes into extreme details about something that's happening in their life with another person, always the answer is, have you talked to them first? Like before you reply to like have us give it way in because we don't really know what the other person is thinking. This is only your perspective. And so many times that initial conversation has not happened. So I think before you start asking external people, I mean, this is a relationship that means relating to each other, like have those conversations first. So I, I kind of pivoted your question to make no, it No, it's fine. It's kind of an annoying <laughs> question. Let's be real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, a little extra. You can think while I answered well, I think there are a lot of tough questions we've gotten throughout the years. One of them is always this, at what point do you give up trying and, yes. uh, and or say that we need to try harder in a relationship, mm-hmm. right? I think a lot of relationships come to that point. Well, should we do something more and fight for each other more? Or are we just not compatible? Like, what is that breaking point? And then the other question we also get is the flip side, because we do have a lot of listeners who don't have much relationship experience. So it's similar to what we talked about earlier. It's how do I know I want a relationship? And once I get into one, how can I be good at it? And this goes into just further education. You know, like this is something we don't ever learn in college or in school. Our parents don't teach us how to have good relationships. And that's why our podcasts are so important just to share these perspectives and learnings for for people who've never done relationships before. Yeah, I think the ones that have multiple ways of answering the question, like there's not that clear cut path. And that really comes down to it needs, you need to reflect on, the full story here. And I think there are certain scenarios, like I 
hundred percent resonate, even for myself, what you just said, UA is like, when do you know when to keep trying versus not? And there's like a bunch of different permutations of that question of I could go this way or this way. And a lot of that really comes down to your gut and you knowing the whole story. And, you know, like it's people have different scenarios on this like there's like the sliding doors I don't know if you guys have seen that movie that like no matter what path you take you'll end up in the same place or whatever path you take is the right choice for you and really no one knows including yourself if the choice is right or not like sometimes it just comes down to like a gut instinct and how you're feeling yeah like following one's gut feels like the most important thing in dating broadly to me intuition just, yeah that intuition so now you have to answer this i know i was thinking about it i i agree no i was thinking about it. i think that like the hardest question for us as well would be kind of that how do i know if i should continue on in this just in this in mm-hmm. a very similar way like whether that's early on in the date um or in the dating or you know in a relationship but another hard one we get just because and I think it probably comes from our standpoint as, at being like, Kimmy went on dates and it worked for her, which is because of me and where I was at in my life. I think another hard question we get or when just like people are feeling really hopeless because mm-hmm. of maybe the location they're in or the responses mm-hmm. they're getting on apps. And it's like, it's so heartbreaking because it's it kind of relates to do you actually want a relationship or not. But there are definitely amazing listeners of our podcast who have gone on all these dates and really put in the effort and that's that's the that's a tough question in a different way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. for sure mm-hmm. yeah I also think the hardest question we've ever got I think the hardest question we ever got is one of our listeners who I, th- I think this still is the sweetest and like purest email we've ever received was in a new relationship and felt like it was going well but wrote to us and said that they um have never been in love before and they're not really quite sure what it feels like and yes. what does it feel like to oh. be in love and how do they know if they're in love and I like trying to answer that question was so we talked about it for like 20 minutes and I was like I don't even know if any of the words I said just meant anything (laughs) because it's true it's like you can't I can't put that into words yeah love is such a hard thing it's like a feeling and there's just it's hard to explain that into words yeah oh interesting but yeah that's a that's a beautiful question. Yeah, and it was very fun and nice to talk about. I'm like a, a grouchy pessimist a lot of the time, so it made me – I was like <laughs> waxing poetic about love and whatever. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's – I randomly remembered that while we were talking. I was like, that was hard. <laughs> we had a hard time with that. Yeah, I'm with you on that. That's a pretty hard question. And on that yeah. note, we shouldn't take up too much more of your time. We'll leave you all with that tough question. Tell us the answer. You would describe love. 180 characters or less. I mean, everyone has their own definition. So yeah, we can't even start to go through it. Like, truly. <laughs> but thank you guys so, so much for joining us. Um, tell everyone where they can find you. Pretty much on all the major podcast platforms like Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher Radio, you know, pretty much anything. We're everywhere. So it's under Dateable Podcast. And then you can also find us at Dateable Podcast on Instagram and then datablepodcast.com. And we will link. We're going to link. Oh, Jinx Kimmy. Uh, (laughs) We're going to link all of that in the show notes. Um, Check it out. Check out the Dateable Podcast. And thank you guys so much. Yeah. Thank you, Julie. Thanks for having us on the show. Thank you. This was so fun.
Thanks to State Farm for supporting this show and helping our listeners protect their businesses and lives. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.